0: Let us now read together what we confess, and first of all, before we go to the Heidelberg Catechism, from Article 34 of the Belgic Confession, you can find that on page 467 of your Book of Praise, and then we read the first part. Article 34, the sacrament of baptism, we believe and confess that Jesus Christ, who is the end of the law, Romans 10, verse 4, has by his shed blood put an end to every other shedding of blood that one could or would make as an expiation or satisfaction for sins. He has abolished circumcision, which involved blood, and has instituted in its place the sacrament of baptism. By baptism we are received into the Church of God, and set apart from all other peoples and false religions, to be entirely committed to Him whose mark and emblem we wear. This serves as a testimony to us that He will be our God and gracious Father forever. For that reason He has commanded all those who are His to be baptized with plain water into the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Matthew 28, verse 19. By this he signifies to us that as water washes away the dirt of the body when poured on us, and as water is seen on the body of the baptized when sprinkled on him, so the blood of Christ by the Holy Spirit does the same thing internally to the soul. It washes and cleanses our soul from sin and regenerates us from children of wrath into children of God. This is not brought about by the water as such, but by the sprinkling of the precious blood of the Son of God, which is our Red Sea, through which we must pass to escape the tyranny of Pharaoh, that is, the devil, and enter into the spiritual land of Canaan. Thus the ministers on their part give us the sacrament and what is visible, but our Lord gives us what is signified by the sacrament, namely the invisible gifts and grace. He washes Purges and cleanses our souls of all filth and unrighteousness, renews our hearts, and fills them with all comfort, gives us true assurance of his fatherly goodness, clothes us with a new nature, and takes away the old nature with all its works. Thus far from this article, let's now read together what we confess in the Heidelberg Catechism in Lord's Day twenty-six. And also the first two questions and answer of Lord's Day 27. There we find God's word summarized as follows. How does holy baptism signify and seal to you that the one sacrifice of Christ on the cross benefits you? In this way, Christ instituted this outward washing and with it gave the promise that as surely as water washes away the dirt from the body, so certainly his blood and spirit wash away the impurity of my soul, that is, all my sins. What does it mean to be washed with Christ's blood and spirit? To be washed with Christ's blood means to receive forgiveness of sins from God through grace because of Christ's blood poured out for us in his sacrifice on the cross. To be washed with his spirit means to be renewed by the Holy Spirit and sanctified to be members of Christ so that more and more we become dead to sin and lead a holy and blameless life. Where has Christ promised that he will wash us with his blood and spirit as surely as we are washed with the water of baptism? In the institution of baptism where he says, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, Matthew 28:19. 19. He who believes and is baptized will be saved, but he who does not believe will be condemned, Mark 16, verse 16. This promise is repeated For Scripture calls baptism the washing of regeneration and the washing away of sins, Titus 3, verse 5, Acts 22, verse 16. Does this outward washing with water itself wash away the sins? No, only the blood of Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit cleanse us from all sins. Why then does the Holy Spirit call baptism the washing of regeneration and the washing away of sins? God speaks in this way for a good reason. He wants to teach us that the blood and spirit of Christ remove our sins just as water takes away dirt from the body. But even more important, he wants to assure us by this divine pledge and sign that we are as truly cleansed from our sins spiritually as we are bodily washed with water. After the sermon, we will sing together from hymn 47, the stanzas 1, 2, 6, and 7. Beloved Congregation of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, brothers and sisters, and that includes you also children of this congregation, what is baptism? What exactly is the significance of it? There are many answers to that question. Reams of books throughout the ages have been written about it. And so you would think that the question as such and the answer that is to be given is quite complicated. There are so many different opinions about it. There are so many different practices as well. Some churches, for example, baptize only those who are old enough to believe. They do not baptize little children. There are also those who are very strict about the mode of baptism, the way it is done. They will practice only immersion. They want the person to be baptized, to be totally immersed in the water. They want him or her to go under the water and then to come up again. For that is how baptism is symbolized in the scriptures. The going under the water symbolizes our death and the coming up again symbolizes the new life we receive. And therefore they do not think that the sprinkling with water is the right thing to do. As to the meaning of baptism, there are those who say that baptism is necessary for salvation. The Roman Catholics, for example. And therefore they also practice emergency baptisms, that is, baptism of children who are in danger of dying or who are about to die. They think that the baptism is necessary for the child to be saved. And so it seems all very complicated. But is that really the case? Well, the Catechism also deals with baptism extensively. Two Lord's Days with six questions and answers are devoted to it. And so we also give the doctrine concerning baptism extensive treatment. But our catechism is a summary of God's word. In other words, it takes everything that the Bible says about a certain doctrine and puts it into a concise and simple format. The catechism is a teaching, tool, And that's all it is. It merely summarizes what God says in his word. It's a very effective tool, but we have to remember that the Bible is so much richer. It gives us doctrinal matters within the life of the believer and the situation that he finds him or herself in at that moment. And so we have to go back to the richness of God's word time and again if you want to truly understand what God is saying to us. We have to listen carefully to him and read his word within the context that he gives it to us. We have the tendency to twist God's word and make it say something that it doesn't say. We have our own personal agenda and want to give ourselves a role in our salvation. That's where the problem comes in. And that's why there are so many opinions and practices. We are children of Adam who was not satisfied with being totally dependent on the Lord God for everything. And for that reason, because we are a child of Adam, we want to make more of the sign and the seal that we should. We want the sign, in this case baptism, to do something which God never intended. We have difficulty putting our trust fully in God, and also believing and practicing that God alone deserves the glory and honor, that He alone can save us, and that we can add nothing whatsoever to our own salvation. It is that simple message that God wants to make clear in the Scriptures. And that's also what the Heidelberg Catechism, and for that matter, the Belgian Confession, wants to bring across. It wants to teach us that we belong to God and to his people through no merit of our own. And that is what I will preach to you about this afternoon. The theme is as follows. Baptism assures us that we belong to God and his people. And then we will see three things. And I've changed the points a little bit from the points the way you have it in the liturgy sheet. We belong because in the first place, God has made us aware of our sins secondly because God has bought us with Christ's blood and thirdly because God continually renews us by his Holy Spirit. I will repeat that we belong because God has made us aware of our sins and secondly because he has bought us with Christ's blood and then finally because he continually renews us by his Holy Spirit. Baptism teaches us some very important things and the symbolism is very rich. In the first place, the symbolism of the cleansing power of water. When we have a baptism in this church, then this is always an occasion of joy, isn't it? The congregation rejoices together that another child has been born and that he or she may receive the sign and the seal of the covenant through baptism. Often relatives and friends will want to be there for that joyous occasion. But if you really think about it, then baptism is actually about shame in the first place. The fact of the matter is, however, that baptism signifies to us that we need to be cleansed. That means that we are dirty. Why does a baby or any of us need to be cleansed? Why does a baby need to be baptized? Because the baby is dirty. Not outwardly, of course. When the parents present the baby for baptism, then that baby will be physically clean. It will have been washed and given a white gown. The baby and the clothes that the baby wears are clean. The baby receives baptism to symbolize the fact that he or she is dirty, polluted, full of impurities inwardly. A moment ago we sang from Psalm 51 that we were in sinfulness conceived. From the moment that the egg and the sperm come together and you become a living human being, your inward pollution is already present. Our sinfulness and our pollution are present throughout our whole life. And the Lord God wants us to be keenly aware of that. Have you ever wondered about the various purification laws that you find in the Old Testament. Pages and pages are written about the ways that you have to be clean. There are all kinds of prescriptions. Listen to what it says in Leviticus 11 verse 47, for example. It says that the Israelites must distinguish between the unclean and the clean, between living creatures that may be eaten and those that may not be eaten. In referring here to clean and unclean foods, the Lord describes the kinds of birds that you can eat and the kinds of fowl that you may eat and all the other kinds of animals that you may or may not eat. There are unclean fish and clean fish and unclean birds and clean birds and all kinds of animals which either which are either clean or unclean. Leviticus also describes that many things and events make people unclean before God. You would be considered unclean when you were sick, for example, or when you had to vomit, or when you had an open wound, or when you had the loss of blood through menstruation, or after you had touched a dead body, or when you had any kind of skin disease. Again, all those things are elaborately described in the books of Moses. These laws were carefully laid out in the Old Testament. Why? For medical reasons, so that the people would not spread any disease? No. Although that was an important element, that was not the primary reason. The primary reason was to teach the people that they are polluted and that they need to be cleansed, that purity is necessary. They had to be taught that because of their uncleanness, they could not be in the presence of God and they could not even be in the presence of God's people. For when you were declared unclean for any of those reasons, then you also had to isolate yourself from the rest of the community. You could not be near them, and you could not worship together with them in the temple. You had to bow your head in shame and isolate yourself. Only once you are declared clean again by the priest could you once again partake of the fellowship with God in the temple and with God's holy people. However, before you could even do that, you first had to bathe yourself in clean water. And you had to wash all your clothes until they were sparkling clean. You also had to bring a sacrifice, a lamb or a young pigeon, as a sin offering. The water indicated the necessity for cleansing and the blood of the slain animal represented the penalty that was due because of sin. An animal thankfully was substituted for the person himself, but that slain animal indicated that sin makes us deserving of death. Note well that the aim of all this is to have fellowship with God and with God's people. That's what it is all about. That's what God wants to teach us with this. Sin puts up barriers between God and his people. Because of sin, we are unable to have fellowship with God and fellowship with others. And every single person here on earth had better realize that. It is for that reason that John the Baptist came upon the scene and offered the baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. For what was the case? Israel, God's covenant people, by and large, was not ashamed of their sins. They did not understand the great chasm that came about with God because of their sin. They had no awareness of their sin. They thought that they belonged to God and that they had true fellowship with him and the rest of Israel because of their own inherent worth. But the reality is that that is not true at all. And that is why John begins by rebuking them about their boasting, about their lineage. He says in Luke 3, verse 8, "...produce fruit in keeping with repentance, and do not begin to say to yourselves, We have Abraham as our father. For I tell you that out of these stones, God can raise up children for Abraham." Israel thought that they were children of God because of their heritage. Because they were all related through Abraham, who, as the scriptures clearly teach, was a child of God. They also thought that they were God's children because they had received the sign and the seal of the covenant, which in the Old Testament was circumcision. John the Baptist warned them that they have a false idea about how they are or how they become a child of God. It's not as they thought, but it is through the realization of their sins. It is through the realization that you need to be cleansed thoroughly through the pollution that clings to you, and you need to repent. It is for that reason that John went out to baptize. Baptism is a symbol that everyone in Israel would readily understand for there were many washing rituals in the Old Testament. The priests and the people had to wash themselves for many occasions and in order to gain access to the holy and the most holy place in the temple. And that is why there was a wash basin, a laver in the temple. Time and again, they had to cleanse themselves, not because they were physically dirty, but because they were inwardly dirty. The proselytes, that is those people who were converted to Judaism, were also baptized. And so baptism existed already before John introduced it. The proselytes could not enter the court of the temple unless they had undergone undergone a thorough cleansing with water. That was meant to make them also realize their own sins, to make them realize that they come from an unclean people. However, the Israelites themselves did not have to undergo that same ritual of baptism. They did not deem it necessary for themselves. After all, they were, as far as they were concerned, natural children of God. They were not unclean because of their birth, because they belonged to Abraham. And that's where the danger also comes in for us, brothers and sisters, boys and girls. You have those who think that because they have been baptized and because their parents belong to this church, that therefore, automatically, they too are children of God. They don't have to do anything except to show up for church once in a while. However, baptism, just like circumcision in the Old Testament, does not make you a child of God. Nor does the fact that you belong to a Christian family Baptism only signifies something. It signifies that you need to be cleansed. It signifies that you need to be ashamed of your sins. And it promises you that God will cleanse you from your sins as long as you are also aware of your sins and want to be aware of your sins. And as long as you repent from them time and again. In other words, you have to believe You have to believe that the Lord Jesus Christ shed his blood for you. Because it is only through his blood that you could become a member of Christ and his holy people. We come to the second point. Please understand, of course, that I'm speaking here to everyone who is able to understand these things. And who is able, therefore, also to make their faith their own. And that includes those children who have not yet made public profession of faith, but who are still able to understand the message, or at least the kernel of the message. God wants you to be aware of your sins and of your need to be cleansed. For children who are very small and who do not yet understand, that is different. We will deal with that, the Lord willing, next week when we deal with the baptism of infants. But for now, I'm speaking to you, children, teenagers, young people, and also the middle-aged and the elderly who are able to respond to God's promises and demands. Don't think that salvation is an automatic thing. John says to the Israelites, produce fruit in keeping with repentance. When they ask him what they must do, he tells them that they must share with others. And to the tax collectors, he says that they must not, that they must only collect what they are entitled to. And he says to the soldiers that they should not extort money or accuse people falsely. In other words, they have to love their neighbor as themselves. That is how you make your salvation sure. That is how you know that you are bearing fruit. As Paul says in Philippians, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. God puts you to work, brothers and sisters, boys and girls. Oh sure, we fall short of that, don't we? Far short. But you have to be aware of that, and you have to do your best to show that you're a child of God. And when you are aware of your sins, then you are also aware how wonderful it is that you are alive. For you and I, we deserve to die. That is why blood is such an important element that we have to realize The blood shows that a death has to take place and that the death has taken place, the death of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And that is the reality for all of us who believe But the blood of the covenant, the blood shed by the Lord Jesus Christ, indicates that he died for us. It is because of his blood that we are saved, that we are alive, that you can sit here in this building, that you can have the joy of life. The Lord God gives us the wonderful gift of life. Don't you think that's wonderful, brothers and sisters, boys and girls? Aren't you glad to be alive? if that's what you also think, then you will also want to share life with others. You want to show how joyful you are, that you are alive, that God has given you that life in spite of your sins, and that God has so richly blessed you. And if you have that kind of mindset, that kind of attitude, then you will have compassion on others. It is for that reason that the Lord God instituted the sacrament of baptism. Baptism reminds us of the pollution, the dirt, because of our sins. The Catechism says that to be washed with Christ's blood means to receive the forgiveness of our sins from God through grace because of Christ's blood poured out for us in his sacrifice on the cross. What a wonderful thing it is to be washed in the blood of Christ. For that means that now we are clean and that now we may have direct access to Christ, to God. And we need to be reminded of that throughout our lives. When you have done something bad, as we do all the time, then you can think back to your baptism and about the promise that God gives you about the forgiveness of sins. And then you repent. And then you can go on again. But you can only do that in the knowledge that you have been washed in the blood of Christ. Otherwise you wouldn't be able to go on. And you would dwell on your sins. You would dwell on the sins of others. But baptism shows that God wants to wash us in his blood and make us clean. And when your sin is so great and so shameful, causing you to bow your head in shame then once again you can be reminded of your baptism. You can be reminded of the fact that you have been cleansed. Baptism is to you a sign that you have been forgiven. And also your brothers and sisters in the Lord. And then you no longer have to feel dirty. For Christ has washed you in his blood. That's also what we can remind each other of as brothers and sisters in the Lord. For we are all in the same boat. We're all sinful people. Indeed that is true of all the people of this world. But we know that we are sinful people. God has revealed that to you and me. We know that we need to be washed in the blood of Christ. And therefore we can also encourage one another. When another comes to you and admonishes you because of your sins... And after you repent from it, you can remember that your sins are forgiven in the blood of Christ. That is what your baptism tells you. And that, brothers and sisters, boys and girls, is the only ground for our salvation. The blood of Christ. Our baptism has us focus on Christ and what he has done and what he will do. It does not focus on our actions or on the sign itself. If a baby of a believing parent dies before it is baptized, then it will still be saved. Baptism only points to the forgiveness of sins. It is not the gift of forgiveness itself as the Roman Catholics teach. As if a priest, by throwing some water on a baby, can then save that baby. No, only Christ can save you. When we celebrated the Lord's Supper together this morning, then we were reminded and admonished that we must not cling with our hearts to the outward symbols of bread and wine, but lift our hearts on high in heaven where Christ, our advocate, is at the right hand of his heavenly Father. Well, the same thing is true with regard to our baptism. Don't make more of the outward symbol than you should. Don't think that the act of baptism as such makes you a member of Christ. The Roman Catholics have that all wrong. All the Bible, all of the Bible goes against that. The whole Bible shows us that all the rituals that you will find in the Old Testament and in the New Testament are designed not in order to save us, but in order to point us to the salvation through our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And that is why the insistence of some churches that baptism is only valid when you have total immersion is also wrong. They, too, make more of the sign than they should. Oh, sure, with total immersion, the symbolism is richer. When you're immersed in the water, then you go under the water, which symbolizes burial with Christ into death and a dying to sin. And then when you rise up from the water, then you are a new, cleansed person, which symbolizes how Christ is raised, having conquered death. That is in accordance with what Paul says in Romans 6, verse 3 and 4. He says, Or don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We are therefore buried with him through baptism into death, in order that just as Christ was raised... From the dead, through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. John the Baptist also baptized by immersion. He did that in the Jordan. But it is questionable whether or not the 3,000 who were baptized on the day of Pentecost and the jailer who was baptized in his house during the night, whether they were baptized by immersion. Likely the sprinkling of water was done. For the Bible teaches us that the sprinkle has the same meaning as immersion. The Bible uses the concept of sprinkling with water and the blood on various occasions. Hebrews 12 verse 24 speaks of the sprinkled blood. And it says in Ezekiel 36 verse 25, I will sprinkle clean water on you and you will be clean. I will cleanse you from all your impurities and from all your idols. The sprinkling of water indicates the cleansing from sin. But it means more, for we are not just washed through the blood of Christ, but we are also washed with his Holy Spirit. We come to the third point. John the Baptist says in Luke 3, verse 16, I baptize you with water, but one more powerful than I will come the thongs of whose sandals I am not worthy to untie. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. What does a fire do? It purifies. It gets rid of that which is useless and which can no longer bear fruit. John says that God the Holy Spirit will burn up the chaff with unquenchable fire brothers and sisters, boys and girls God gives you his Holy Spirit, he is doing that right now and it's not just a one time event no, he continually gives you his Holy Spirit he gives it into your heart so that you may banish the evil spirit from your heart and do you know how he does that he does that through his word especially through the preaching of his word for you belong, first of all, to God and also to his people. For we are a congregation together who can appeal to the baptism that each and every one of us has received and apply God's word in the knowledge that each and every one of us has been given the wonderful promise of the forgiveness of sins and eternal life. That's why we belong together. That's why we are a church together. And that's why you also need to belong to this church, so that you can commit yourself to this church. Article 34 of the Belgian Confession says that by baptism we are received into the church of God and set apart from all other peoples and false religions to be entirely committed to him whose mark and emblem we wear. Baptism signifies to us that we may belong to God and his people, to his church. It reminds us that we are different from the world, and that we are new creatures. The Catechism says that to be washed by the Holy Spirit means to be renewed and sanctified, to be members of Christ, so that more and more we become dead to sin and lead holy and blameless lives brothers and sisters, boys and girls, that is what baptism is all about. Namely, to remind you that you need to be renewed, to remind you of your sins, so that we can fight against our sins with all our strength. But your strength must come from God. He is the only one who can furnish you with strength. God who promises to forgive you And your sins as long as you want to be aware of them. And as long as you want to repent from them time and again. Even those sins which you do not even realize you commit. And even if you sin against God. The same sin. One thousand times a thousand times. The Lord will forgive you. If you are truly sorry and repent. That is what baptism is points out. That is what it signifies. That is what it means. And so God will continue to work in you and me through his Holy Spirit. Isn't that wonderful? He will do that because you are a child of God through no effort, through no merit of your own. The sacrament of baptism reminds us of the shame. Of our sins, but at the same time of the joy of knowing that our sins are forgiven through our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. Mm-hmm.